Welcome everybody to another fantastic episode of the Powder Blue Review. I am your host, Michael Peterson. This is powered by Blue Wire Podcast. If you want to go ahead and follow me at Twitter, um, that is at Zone Tracks, Z-O-N-E-T-R-A-C-K-S. And go ahead and follow the podcast handle as well. That's at PBR Review Podcast. PB Review Podcast. And if you want to go ahead and follow all my work over at SBNationsBoltsFromTheBlue.com, we're really ramping up. Gearing things towards the start of training camp, followed by the rest of the season, guys. I cannot tell you how excited I am for football season to get here. And what an easy way to kind of get through the last week, the last at this point, I think it's four days until the Chargers open up training camp. Then an awesome interview with my friend Andre Weingarten, who's one of the franchise gameplay designers over at EA Sports. He's one of the two guys, only one of two, who works on the ratings and the rosters for the Madden games. And they did such a good job with this year's Madden. I got to play the beta a little bit and it was fantastic. So it is a long one, but it's just chock full of good information. It's, it was such an enjoyable conversation to have with Andre and I hope you guys enjoy it just as much. So without wasting your time, guys, here is that interview. So I'm joined now by my good friend, Andre Weingarten. He is currently the associate franchise and gameplay designer for Madden. And he's one of two guys who actually goes into the nitty gritty details about the team's rosters and, and all their ratings. So if you've been on Twitter lately, lately, you've probably seen him fighting the good fight, trying to explain and justify why players are where they are to, to not much avail. But Andre, <laughs> super appreciated to have you on. I've been waiting for a while to, to have these conversations. So how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. I oh, mean, I'm pumped. I'm so excited for Madden. I what did I do? I pre-ordered the superstar edition to get it early. There you I go. honestly cannot wait. And, and, you know, luckily enough was able to get one of the beta codes. I've never played a beta before and absolutely loved playing it. And, and a lot of people want to say, you know, year to year, there's not much difference. You know, you're paying for a, a roster update, quote unquote, but I was honestly playing this game and I felt the difference. I thought the X factors were, were huge. I think they're a great addition to, to add essentially like a chess match inside the game already you know, trying to knock your opponent's player out of the zone, um, getting your players in the zone, vice versa, and all that. And it's it's an absolute blast. So I'm super stoked to be having this conversation today. Yeah, the, uh, the abilities, they are a, they're an absolute game changer. I think, you know, there was some fear coming into it from the general public when they first heard it, that it would be arcadey, or it might not be the, might not feel true to football, but I think a lot of people had their reservations kind of quelled once they once they got their hands on the beta. Um, we had a lot of people in the beta this year, even though we ran it for three days. We had a lot of feedback, a lot of really good feedback in general um, on that. And I think a lot of people understood that now these abilities are literal game-changing for every single type of mode, whether you're playing competitive, whether you're playing franchise. Franchise, now you have those guys, those stars really feel like stars, and you have to take account you have to take them into account where in the past they were they were there, but you never necessarily had to worry about them. No, I like that. And I like the way you said arcadey, because my first thought is thinking about like NBA Jam or uh, NBA Street, NFL Street, where, you know, you get that that bar all the way up and then yep. you get like the, the game breaker or whatever it's called for for NBA Street. But I mean, it's it's actually way more realistic than people probably think. Um, and I think, you know, having 
players getting quote the zone is realistic because you have players all the time talk about man i was just in the zone that game yeah. that player was just in a zone you know on defense he was just making plays all over the field and i think that's real and i think the essence of knocking players out of the zone is also a real thing so i think you guys did a wonderful job i guess being able to to present that without it being again over the top making a player literally on fire to represent the fact that you know he's <laughs> he's in the zone at the moment or flashing you know like a mario star that type of stuff so i think that's that's absolutely huge and one more thing that you guys i think it's the biggest thing actually in terms of change with the ratings specifically is you guys stretch them yes. and a lot of people and i think that's where a lot of the arguments came once the ratings were released were that people didn't understand that you guys did this. You, you stretched them. You made you know less top guys, uh, and you, you stretched out the bottom as well, where now you have guys who were probably in the 60s before are now in the 50s, and you even have guys in the high 40s, as low as that is. So yep. just real quickly, go into the thought process behind making a stretch and why you think that's better for the game uh, in the long term. So to begin what the stretch was, we took every single attribute across every single player and we raised the ceiling and we lowered the floor that we used for that. So in the past, pass block for a right tackle, let's say at the end of Madden 19, the highest pass block for a right tackle was an 88. This year, it's a 95. So we raised that top bar and then we also separated those elite guys from the rest of the pack to really make them feel more impactful. We kind of pushed everybody down and we separated them out further. Because if you looked in the past, you had a lot of guys clumped together and it really made it hard for them to feel different. I mean, one of the things that people would talk about is guys with you know, maybe, four, maybe three ratings difference or even two ratings difference across a D-line, they would all have the same block shed animation at the same exact second. And it just, it didn't feel right, it didn't look right. So we really wanted to separate guys out, make each level of player feel different from one another and sure, you might still have a little bit of overlap on teams when you have similar tiered players, but that really made the high-level guys feel special. And it, if you are facing a high-level guy with a low-level guy, it is an uphill battle in a way that we've never experienced in Madden before. And that's kind of the whole point, right, is to get as realistic as possible where um, sometimes when people get good enough at these games, um, even throwing it back to the old NCAA 14 game where you kind of learn the mechanics or get used to the mechanics enough where yep. – uh, say, you know, you don't even have to have a receiver technically open. You just know the animation is going to make him complete the catch or, you know, yep. uh, just how fast he needs to run or how open he needs to be and stuff like that, where it's not so much realistic. It's just, it's almost you playing within the game structure and, and the PC and everything behind it. I mean, you're not really playing against a person, so you can kind of expect yeah. what the computer to do. And that's Absolutely fantastic to to know realism has kind of been the main thing uh, we're pushing here um, Absolutely. for the new Madden. So I, I do have one example, by the yeah, way, for you. Go ahead. So I was playing a fantasy draft franchise, just testing it at my desk mm -hmm. because I wanted to get some experience in on all Madden with these new abilities. You know, just do some standard testing, right? Mm -hmm. So I had Russell Wilson as my starter, and naturally I drafted Easton Stick as my backup. That, that's the connection here, being right. the Chargers podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> And I was like, you know what? They're similar play style in terms of mobility and all sorts of things like that. They're really good runners. So Russell Wilson gets injured and he fumbles and it's a fumble recovery touchdown. So we're down 10 in the first quarter because of that. And I have to bring an Easton stick. Wilson's out for the game. 
And when I tell you that was one of the hardest fought victories that I've had in a Madden game in a long time, I'm not kidding. We won by three. Easton went, I think, like 10 for 17 for about 150. No touchdowns, a pick. Um, A.J. Green helped out a ton because of his abilities. But it was an uphill battle. And the difference, just the field between Easton Stick and Russell Wilson was monumental. And I don't think it would have been like that last year or in years past. No, I, I don't think it was either. Because, I mean, I played enough of, uh, you know, the Chargers on a franchise where year in and year out. Um, and I always make the joke, every single Madden that comes out, I'll start a franchise. And usually within the first two or three weeks, one, two, maybe even three starters go down with injuries for like eight plus weeks at a time. And the inside joke is that the Chargers simply can't stay healthy. There's injury issues every single year. So when I start a franchise and Melvin and Keenan and Melvin Ingram are all of a sudden out for eight plus weeks after week three, it's just, it sucks. But we usually, <laughs> yeah, you guys, yeah, absolutely. No, I, keep, I always message my coworkers at Bolts from the Blue and I'm like, guys, you will not believe this, but it happened again. You know, it's, they can't escape it, but uh, you're, you're totally right. That's, I mean, it's good to hear the, the realism in, in that disparity, I guess. So now, you know, you can't bring in a guy who's, uh, you know, you're replacing a 93 with a, a 71 and he's still, you know, throwing darts on the run and stuff like that. So it looks like, yeah. so in that situation, that's cool that because you know, your starter quarterback's bad, that you have AJ green on the outside, you know, you can probably get, get away with some, you know, not too good throws because AJ yep. Green is who he is. He can high point it and, and bring it down in those contested catch situations. So that's really, really cool. Um, but besides these X, X factor, excuse me, um, additions to the game, or would you say that's your favorite addition to the game in general, or maybe a new, uh, the face of the franchise mode or anything else that you're just kind of pointing at and you're like, that's the best thing we could have added to this game, or at least your favorite. I definitely think X-Factors and Superstars are my personal favorite because they add such complexity to every mode. But we did a lot of really, not small, but they were not, you know, big features, but they're really impactful. So a couple of the ones that come to mind are uh, we added more passing signature styles. So this is the first time that we've undergone this in a while. And we really tuned the release speed of quarterbacks throwing motions and all sorts of things to separate out signature guys from the standard tier from the low level backups. So when I say Easton stick, who comes in in the mid fifties, bringing him in from Russell Wilson, who has one of the, the second fastest throwing motion in the game, as we separate it into tiers, he's in that, that second highest tier Easton stick was in the bottom tier. So you have a guy who has a significantly longer throwing motion on top of worse accuracies, on top of a lower throw power. So it was almost like a triple effect on that. And because we did that with the throwing motions and we also adjusted pass trajectory, passing has a very different feel this year. And the pass trajectory, uh, we had to slow down the speed of every pass to get it to add more arc to each throw. That's just the way the physics work, right? If mm -hmm. it was going just too fast. And so we lowered it down and by doing that, we added more arcs. So guys at the top of the spectrum, the Josh Allens of the world, the 99, he won't have a ton of trajectory. But if you're in that 88, 89 throw power range, you can have noticeable trajectory on your bullet passes and then definitely on your touch passes and your, and your lobs to the point where you can feather the ball in over defenders. And to even make that one step further, we also tuned the jump height for or the ability to intercept passes for linebackers and, and yes. defensive player 
So you have to be within a certain amount of yards of the landing spot of the ball to intercept the pass. So no longer will you have guys who are, you know, 15 yards away being able to just elevate over and, and make the play. They can still swat in those situations, but they will not be able to intercept the pass unless they're within, I think, three to four yards of the landing spot. So you really get a whole slew of different feels to the passing game. And then, uh, yeah, those, those are probably my biggest additions overall that impact everything in the game. Do you know how excited I am that you just said that about the linebackers? <laughs> Holy cow, man. Because I get reminded all the time, obviously, on NCAA and even a couple of the old versions of Madden. It's, uh, you know, it's been that way for years. The, the superstar, you know, high jump linebackers that can just pick off everything. And that's, yep. oh, that's so much frustration out the window. You know, I'll have to find something yeah. else to be super frustrated about. But maybe there's <laughs> nothing. Maybe there's nothing. But that's, oh, Hopefully. that's so flipping good to hear. It, Ooh, it, it really right. makes a difference. When you can throw a pass and it just goes over the head of a guy, mm -hmm. oh, it's a good feeling. It's a good feeling. Oh, I cannot wait. So going into uh, ratings again, and this is just in general before we start touching on the Chargers here a little bit, are there any guys or teams that come to mind that you kind of had to compromise on where you felt their ratings, overall ratings, the team ratings, or individual ratings, you wanted them to be different? Not necessarily. Not, not when it comes to the team ratings, right? Mm -hmm. Because we really... It is a formula, but mm -hmm. we really feel pretty comfortable. We, Dustin and I both, Dustin being the head of the program, he's been doing this for five years now. I'm going into year two of it. But uh, the two of us, for the most part, agree on a lot of these things. And it's still a formula, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, some of those teams coming out near the top, um, I think the one that stands out to a lot of people are, is obviously the Dallas Cowboys because they are the an 88 overall, which is the second best team. and you know, people know that Dustin is a Cowboys fan. It's been very well mm -hmm. documented, and he's not yep. really apologetic of that fact. But if you look at the actual players on their team, it makes sense, right? They don't have mm -hmm. any true starter to bring down their ratings. And when Travis Frederick doesn't play for a year, Tyron Smith is still phenomenal. Zach Martin is the best guard in football, maybe the best offensive lineman. Zeke is a top three running back. Byron Jones had a breakout season. Jalen Smith and Leighton Vanderesh had breakout years. I mean, and Dak is no slouch in his own right. He might not be the best. He might not be a world beater, but he's still competent. There's no one to actually bring down their overall. And when you have so many stars across the board, even Amari Cooper is helping with that. It just makes sense. And the same way that the Eagles are such a well-rounded roster, those are two teams that if they get any consistency out of the quarterback position, they're, they're Super Bowl contenders in, in, in a good spot. I don't think there was much of an issue there. You know, I've heard a lot about the Rams being a little bit low. It's hard to justify them being any higher. They suffered some big losses to their, to their defense. And uh, Ndamukong Sue, who would have impacted their overall very favorably around like an 86, 87. LaMarcus Joyner still around an 85. You know, the cornerbacks have been up and down for them. Linebacking play, kind of weak for the most part. You know, there's just – it's tough, right? There's mm – -hmm. they're a team that is so well coached, and losing Saffold and losing John Sullivan definitely hurt their, their grades as well in this department. So, I mean, at the end of the day, it's still a formula. I could see why people would be upset about it, and I would still probably put my money on the Rams over some of the teams rated around where they are. But at the end of the day, it's just a conglomerate of all of their ratings with a lot of emphasis on the quarterback, and Goff hasn't proven to me – or to Dustin particularly, that he is 
capable of leading the charge when the going gets tough. So yeah, no, I definitely agree. Um, obviously, you got to compromise some places, but for the most part, with just being two of you, there can't be too many differing opinions. And if you guys both obviously know your stuff, which I know you do, you're going to come out, you know, more than likely with the best um, situation on that. Uh, going into the Chargers, this is a Chargers podcast, so we're finally yep. going to get into some of these guys. So um, we're going to start off just with some of the the, the veterans, who okay. guys that ratings that I think you absolutely nailed, and some guys that not necessarily I think are like overrated, underrated, just ones that either surprise me or I expected something different or, or could see something different. But uh, we're going to go with guys that I like, and we're going to we're start on actually a low note, and that's left guard Dan Feeney. <laughs> he where do I put this? So before this past season, before sophomore year, I wrote a lengthy article basically saying, uh, went over the film and was like, Dan Feeney is going to be a cornerstone for this offensive line for years to come. So that didn't age super well, seeing him take quite a big step backwards. He regressed quite a bit after not like the most amazing rookie season, but I mean, he won a starting job and he didn't lose it um, going into his second season and, and he was solid. He's left yeah. guard where he has a little more responsibilities than some of the other ones. He has to communicate a lot with center Mike Pouncey, especially on the snap count and how they do all that. But you have him as a 66. Now I, the thing is, I agree. I'm, I think he deserves a 66, and was just curious, like, how bad was this past year? Because he was, what, I think he was in the 70s. Um, and I know you guys did the stretch again, but how yeah. much did this past year affect him specifically? It, it impacted a lot. Um, the, the pass blocking was really the big area of concern with him. Um, you, you saw some communication issues. You saw a lack of strength in some areas. The grip strength was still there in the run game. But it just... It was tough to watch at times. Um, obviously, I think the biggest area I had trouble with was some inside swim moves and some of those stunts, you know, just, again, with the lateral movement and things like that. But it definitely had a pretty big impact on on his ratings as a whole. Yeah, it just, that interior offensive line was was not at its best. And I, I still think Pouncey's a good player, but uh, that the guard position and the right tackle spot definitely hurt them in the long haul. Yeah, and I just have to agree. I mean, I'm I'm not going to be uh, – yes, I cover the Chargers, but a big fan. But at the same time, you can't be biased about this stuff, and, and you got to be able to see through your own fandom. And, yes, Feeney's kind of one of those guys that a lot of people want to say, oh, he's one of the best young linemen on the team. He didn't show that last year. Um, but another guy who some people would probably argue should be higher, and it's because it's more of like a name recognition thing. And, and yes, he's produced when he's on the field – but it's a guy like Joey Bosa at an 88 that fans were probably uproarious about, right? You know, people, he was defensive rookie of the year, um, his first season. Yep. And when he's on the field, man, he can obviously get after the quarterback. But that's the thing. He can't stay on the field. Um, he can't stay healthy. And he's just, he's just not been there. So you guys gave him an 88, which I think is correct. And I've told you this, I believe, when the ratings first came out, that until he's able to stay healthy – um, able to put everything together. I don't think he deserves to really be mentioned with the upper echelon pass rushers. So with that in mind, when he was on the field last year, he was one of the best. I, I want to just preface it by saying that. And his ratings definitely reflect that. The areas that he's a little bit lower on, it's in the run game. Because as a pass blocker, you know he has it. Um, you know, 93 awareness, 87 agility, 87 strength. 97 finesse move 
97 finesse move. Yeah, can't argue with that. 89 power move. I mean, he is one of the best players in our game. He has abilities because he is a freak of nature, and we expect big things out of him. But 71 block shed, 79 tackle because of some of those misses. Those are areas that we think are holding him back. And his play rec is a little bit lower as well for the same reason. I mean, it's still 91, but relative to his awareness, which is 93, it's a little bit down. Um, you know, that, that's really the reason that he's rated an 88. Just a little bit of that formula that he has to be better versus the run. But as a pass rusher, he is one of, if not the best left ends, uh, four, three left ends in, in, the, in our game right now. Yeah, I think people are just get to come to terms, excuse me, with uh, one of their best players, you know, having stuff to work on because that's just the stuff that yeah. people want to, you know, forget and push under the rug. They don't want to think that people have uh, drawbacks, shortcomings yeah, but, and, and stuff like that. Yeah, but I definitely want to hammer home. 97 finesse move. I think there's two players higher than him in the entire league. Oh, fantastic. So when, when you look at the individual ratings, he is exceptional. And sometimes because there's still formulas in the rating stretch, we did separate things out. Some guys will be a little bit lower. I think the poster child for that is Demarcus Lawrence. He was unhappy with his ratings. And he is rated very favorably in comparison to guys who are higher than him, maybe even better than them. So, you know, it's, it's all a matter of looking a little bit deeper. The overall number is the sexy one. But there's a lot of context there that says, oh, this guy's actually really, really good. And in, in practical application, he's going to dominate in a way that some of those other guys who might be more well-rounded will not. Summertime is pool time. All pool owners know that the hardest thing about owning a pool is keeping the water safe. Testing your pool water is easy, but figuring out what to put in it can be a pain. Sutro has solved that problem. Sutro's free pool chemical calculator takes the hassle out of treating your pool. Our simple text-based interface allows you to test, text, and then treat your pool. Go to mysutro.com slash bluewire to sign up for Sutro's free pool calculator. If you own a pool or you have friends or family who do, tell them about Sutro. It's the simple, safe, and convenient way to keep your pool water safe. Take the guesswork out of pool work with Sutro. Sign up for free at mysutro.com slash bluewire. Look at the world's tech leaders and high-growth startup CEOs, and I bet you wonder how in the world they have that kind of inexhaustible energy to do what they do. The answer will surprise you. The latest trend with top tech leaders is sleep optimization. While most Americans are not getting the sleep they need, tech founders and CEOs are optimizing their sleep to perform at peak level every day. The first step, the pod by 8sleep, the ultimate sleep machine. The pod is the first and only high-tech bed designed to help you achieve peak mind and body performance. Are you looking to sleep deeper? The pod dynamically adjusts the temperature on each side of the bed so you're comfortable all night. Do you want to know your sleep intel? The pod tracks your biometrics while you sleep with no need for wearable technology. Do you want to sleep better? Enjoy personalized programs and coaching designed by experts, guiding you towards true sleep fitness. Because the better you sleep, the better you everything. Try the pod for 100 nights, and if you don't love it, we'll refund your purchase and arrange a free pickup. Only at 8sleep.com slash bluewire. They already sold out of their first two batches, so they're going fast. For a limited time, get $150 off your purchase when you go to 8sleep.com slash bluewire. E-I-G-H-T sleep.com slash bluewire. So our third guy that we have for ratings that I 
really agree with um, and really enjoy seeing is Justin Jackson. You have him as a 73 and then putting it in the context that, you know, maybe uh, someone who was a 73 in a game before um, isn't as good this year or is even better this year as a 73. Um, I liked him. I, I like that he's at least 70 plus, especially for a third string running back. Um, he showed some good things last year, so I'm not surprised to see him a little bit higher than at least you'd normally expect for a former seventh round pick. Um, what are some things that he did well uh, last year as a rookie that kind of helped him stay out of the 60s and even 50s? Um, I would say that his agility definitely helps him out. Um, having 90 agility with 89 speed, 90 excel, those are good numbers to have. Uh, he doesn't have exceptional elusiveness, but he was pretty good in terms of his ball carrier vision. Uh, 79, I believe that's exactly what we have Saquon Barkley at. So you can just compare. It's a relative weakness for someone who's one of the best in football in Saquon Barkley. But for a young guy who isn't exactly known to be a premier running back, it's it's not necessarily a weakness. It's definitely not a strong suit per se, but it's not a hindrance to him either. Um, 72 break tackles, pretty solid. The, the juke move, 86 juke, he definitely did some nice moves there. It, it's really just a kind of a combination of things, decent hands, decent spin. A fun player to watch. We very much liked him coming out of college. And who knows? I mean, he might get some playing time, some increased playing time if this whole Gordon situation becomes – you know, if it gets out of hand, we might be seeing a lot of Eckler and a lot of Jackson. And next thing you know, Jackson might, you know, improve in some rankings, give it a couple of weeks if he's able to show out. Uh, so, yeah, for fans who like Justin Jackson, we'll definitely enjoy him in Madden. You won't have to worry about him being, you know, a slouch by any means, at least comparatively to some of the lower guys as well. Um, my last guy that I have that I do enjoy is rating him. And this is another guy whose rating matches his jersey number. I made a note about that when I was looking through everything. <laughs> um, Feeney's a 66. Okung was a 76. William, yeah, Mike Williams is our other guy. He's an 81. So I like this rating simply because a lot of Chargers fans and, and people who just saw the touchdowns from Mike Williams last year would probably think that he deserves a higher rating. And I think I've seen a several Chargers fans across my timeline say, can't believe Mike Williams is just an 81. You know, he was the first Chargers wide receiver to, to catch double digit touchdown catches since I think 97, 96. I think Tony Martin was his name. So I'm really glad he isn't overhyped. I'm glad it's not uh, super high to where all of a sudden they've got this really nice wide receiver duo. I think they have a good duo in Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, but uh, an 81 is solid. So what did you see from Mike Williams um, that? kept him at an 81 instead of being maybe a couple, if not just a few points higher? I think it's really just the, the separation, right? Um, you definitely see that he is a really good jump ball type player, really strong hands. He can elevate, he can make those types of plays. But at the same time, you see that a lot of it's in contested situations because he's not actually creating space from the defenders. And when you can win in the areas that he does, it's not exactly a terrible thing. But it definitely doesn't help matters. You know, some of the guys that are in that similar tier to him, Kenny Galladay, have a very similar issue. They just don't get enough space that you'd like and make life easier for the quarterback. But when the ball's in his hands, when he has a chance to go up and elevate, he's bringing them down more often than not. Um, so those are really just the big things with him. What's the, the, the main thing with Williams that kind of creates his play style? So would you say like his highest ratings are uh, maybe jumping, maybe, you know, um deep route running or uh, catching, like which one kind of stands out amongst the rest? It's definitely his spectacular catch. Uh, that's 93. 
So that's that's really high. Um, 88 catching, 88 catching traffic. I mean, the trio of those three things really shows how good he is when he gets a chance to just high point the ball. Uh, and then you get over to his break tackle coming in at an 83. That's really good for a wide receiver. Um, his medium route running is his best of the three because he's definitely shown some good routes on some, some of those intermediate digs and things of that nature. But it's really the active catching attributes that really win him over. And I know Chargers fans are probably happy to hear that because they know they're, they're two obviously different wide receivers and how they win Mike Williams and, and, and Keenan Allen. So for you guys who are excited to play Madden and you, you know you got two very different weapons, and you know kind of which one to go to in certain situations. So that's cool. That's going to be something I'll definitely look forward to when I finally get the sticks and, and the game comes out. But switch and over if you're to in franchise, oh, by the way. Yes. In franchise, he will have star dev trait because we think that he's going to progress and keep getting better. So oh, right on. There you go. Some more good news. But we're heading in the little bit of the opposite direction. Um, I just have a trio of guys who uh -oh. their ratings were either surprising or I would just like maybe to hear an explanation about it. Um, number one is Derwin James, everyone's golden boy at the moment. Um, a lot of people, I think this was the number one name that I saw come across my timeline um, in terms of people upset about his rating. And 86 isn't a bad rating. I think people saw, you know, the accolades that Derwin James got. He was, you know, he was a coin flip guy for NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year. He was, he was pro football focuses Defensive Rookie of the Year. He was a first team all pro as a rookie. So they see an 86. And just because he's in the 80s, I think a lot of people were upset. Um, what's stopping him from being uh, in the 90s when people see, you know, Saquon Barkley? And obviously, he had a hell of a year, hell of an athlete. So those stats help him out. But they've seen he's an example of a rookie to play one year and get into the 90s. What are some of the main drawbacks for Derwin James from being anywhere near that 90 rating? There was a little bit of awareness stuff going on early in the season. I think the running back position is one that you really can just plug and play. And that's an area where Saquon was already a master at all the things that he does well, right? He has mm -hmm. really good hands. He can block. He can, you know, juke people out of their shoes. He can do all sorts of things of that nature. He didn't fumble. I mean, you know, some of those things, they're just going to skyrocket your ratings pretty quickly. Um, but for Derwin, you know, there was a little bit of an awareness thing, obviously that interception that he caught in the end zone and he took it out and went out at the one. Mm -hmm. He was kicking himself on it. That's just, that's a veteran thing that you just need to, a little, little more heads up on. Um, his tackling, a little, little low. He had a few too many misses in that department and that doesn't help. Um, but he has 91 hit power. He's one of the best man coverage safeties in the game right now at 83. His zone coverage is an area that if that gets higher up, He's going to go up very quickly, and and we're it, it's it's still pretty good. His play recognition is very high, eighty five. Pursuit, same thing that goes along with the tackling. As a whole, it's really just a matter of he needs a little bit more seasoning. But when you know that he is such a valuable asset, and he's an X factor, you know he has those rare attributes to him, and we recognize how good he is. An eighty six overall X factor is really impressive. Shows how much faith we have in him. Okay, so yeah, you Chargers fans who are upset about it, like it's not a bad rating by any means. It's just just accept the fact that the guys he's young. And I mean, an 86 for a second year safety, it's absolutely fantastic. They'll get over it eventually. But another defensive rating, and actually the, all three of these guys are defensive players. Uh, my next guy is Melvin Ingram, who is tied with Joey Bosa 
for an 88. Now, the thing about this one is I actually think Bosa is better than Melvin Ingram. Uh, we all know Ingram is super confident in his abilities. I mean, every presser that he's at, he he states that he's like an alien, man. He's just, he's not a human being. He can just do everything <laughs> in the world. And I think during the veterans learning about their ratings is Ingram was like, if it's not a hundred, then like, it's not realistic. And I'm just like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> so yeah. he thinks highly of himself, but yeah, of course. So 88, I think 88 is lucky for Melvin Ingram in a sense that I, when I've gone back to watch him um, and some of it's just looking at some of the stat sheets and he's made an impact on things that you can't like put down on paper. But this is a guy who went multiple games i think three four maybe even uh, probably not five three or four games where he didn't even uh collect a tackle he didn't even show up on the stat sheet in any sort of way so what was this a lot more of like physical capabilities obviously obviously he is super athletic but what kept him from falling off for a guy who didn't have that productive of a season it was his lowest sack total since i believe 2014 lowest tackle total since 2014 so at least on paper, took a step back. But what did you see that ke keeps him at an 88? So there were a few things. One, teams were able to key in on him a lot more because there was no Joey Bosa for part mm -hmm. of that season. When they were both out there, he was wreaking havoc just like, just, just like normal. But I think the area that Ingram gets to this 88 that Bosa doesn't is the run defense. The block shed's a bit higher. The tackling is a bit higher. But the pass rush moves are not. And I, that's really it for, for Melvin Ingram. He's a bit more balanced of a player, um, definitely a good player, and one speed faster than Bosa. The rest of the athletic skills are not as high, but that's really it. It's just, it's just the block shed. It's just the ability to secure some extra tackles in there. Um, I think he's a very good player. I would agree with you that I think Bosa is a better player, but even with that fact in mind, he was still generating pressure between four and five almost every single week for the entire season. It just didn't end up converting into sacks because, well, they were getting the ball out of their hands quickly. They had that opportunity to do so. All right. Yeah, I understand. I thought it would probably be something like that. Obviously, I thought his athletics, um, those numbers would, would keep him high well, a little bit, but I accept your uh, <laughs> your words there. But uh, lastly, and this doesn't have to be, this isn't too much of a confusion. I was just surprised. Uh, Thomas Davis. Yeah. Um, he comes over from the Panthers. Yes, he's super old. I was just surprised to see him blow an 80 in an essence that he's a veteran guy. He can still get the job done. Um, he's been on pace for he's had 100 tackles or was on pace last year if he didn't, you know, get suspended for four games. So I thought this was just one of those guys who could get one of those veteran like discounts in terms of like, we'll keep him up there because we know he's been there, done that and you know, multiple time pro bowler um, went to the Super Bowl once with the Panthers. So um, has he fallen off that much? I mean, that's 79 pretty correct? It's really the coverage for him that has taken a bit of a nosedive as his his speed and acceleration have gone down. He's just been a step out of place a few, few times too often in that department. Uh, still a very good player. I mean, all of the key ratings for him pretty much still stand out. 88 awareness, 90 impact block, 88 tackle, 91 hit power, uh, 85 play rec, 86 pursuit. But it's really just the coverage, 62 man, 69 zone. It's a little round league average. So a 79 is not necessarily the worst thing in the world, but it's definitely a sign that age has taken its toll on one of the former, you know, maybe not best, but definitely an upper echelon uh, outside linebacker for a majority of his career.
Yeah, I got to agree. Um, hopefully, you know, his impact with the real life chargers is a little more uh, impactful than a 79 on their team. But, uh, you know, time will just have to tell on that. But shifting from uh, the old, one of the oldest players on the Chargers team to the rookies. And before yes. we leave here, we got to talk a little bit about the rookies just to kind of give the fans some insight on on why they were ranked where they were. Because I know personally some people were contacting me to tell me, oh, they thought Adderley was low. Uh, people who thought, you know, Pipkins might have been low, Tillery might have been low. Really, it was just, you know, the negative stuff, which is what yeah. we all come to expect when we talk Madden stuff. But we're just going to go down the list uh, – from your, our top rated guys down to low or just, I think actually, no, this is order of where they're drafted just to kind of keep people uh, in yeah. the loop here, starting with Tillery. So it was a 74 overall. Um, yep. He is currently in terms of defensive tackles, rookie defensive tackles. He's behind Quentin Williams Ed Oliver, Dexter Lawrence and Christian Wilkins. Okay. Yep. So the only name I would think uh, that could be behind Tillery was Dexter Lawrence. And that's just because, it seemed like towards the draft, people were being less and less sold on him as a complete defensive tackle. They were like, I don't even think he deserves a first round grade because he's really just a two down player. So talk about guys like Lawrence Wilkins above Tillery and Tillery in general, where he kind of wins, where he's a plus guy. Because I think off the bat, he's the top rated defensive tackle on the Chargers in general. So before people get too low uh, on Tillery 74, remember, that's our best guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. I was a huge fan of Jerry Tillery when I scouted him personally. Um, the Obviously, the injury sucks because it limited the amount of tape that we got to see from him from this past season. But in terms of his pass rush moves, he has a higher power move than Quentin Williams does. You know, that speaks volumes to how good of a pass rusher he is right off the bat. The area is that he's a little bit lower. It's the play recognition. It's the block shed. Even a little bit of tackling. He had some misses in there. Awareness is a little bit lower too, but very strong, very adept as a pass rusher. And the reason that he might be lower than someone like Dexter Lawrence is because Lawrence is one of those prototypical run stoppers, right? Mm -hmm. uh, in our archetype system, being a run stopper, even being a more of a nose tackle in general, if you're really good at it, you're going to get recognized for it because you know there's all different types of players and roles that a team could have. It's why someone like uh, Michael Pierce is rated above um, other guys who they might feel are better because he is just such a phenomenal run-stopping talent that the run-stopper archetype really falls in love with that type of player. So Lawrence, being a pure nose tackle, might not be a better player in general, but when it comes to what he is best at, he is better than that than what Tillery is as a pass rusher per se. That, that's kind of how you should take that. But again... The pass rush stats favor Tillery over even the number three overall pick. Yeah, so you guys got to understand that some of these numbers, um, you got to know the context behind them. And don't take them at face value because of the stretch. So a 74 for Tillery is honestly not too shabby. A lot of good players at the defensive tackle position are above him, which, you know, to a degree, it's rightfully so. But another guy who at the time seemed like people had the most um, uproar about was Nasir Adderley. The Chargers picked him at pick seven or 60, excuse me. He fell to the bottom of the second. You guys still have him as the second rated rookie safety behind Darnell Savage, who was a, a first round safety, went to the Green Bay Packers. So yep. 71, again, isn't that bad. And, and, and the question that comes to mind for me uh, when it comes to Adderley and, and how he fits on the team is that the Chargers obviously have Adrian Phillips, who is a safety, a former undrafted safety but played a ton of nickel and dime linebacker for the Chargers, but in the game yeah. is still a safety. 
um, buy your guys' stuff. So would Chargers fans, would it be better to actually stick Adderley in opposite Derwin James, maybe in terms of like Adderley's better at patrolling the back of the field and maybe uh, Phillips's stats in terms of like maybe are geared towards more uh, linebacker still, but overall his ratings higher, which is why he would be above Adderley as a safety. But at the end of the day, is Phillips the guy you should keep in there or is Adderley's skill set maybe a little more uh, geared towards being the complement to Derwin James? So the way I would describe it is you want Adrian Phillips on the field as much as possible because he is so good, right? He is a very talented box type of player and he can do a lot of good things for you in a linebacker type role. So my best advice would be that you would want Adrian Phillips to be your starting safety opposite of Derwin James but you would also want to be your starting sub linebacker. And then when he goes down to sub, Nasir Adderley is going to be playing on the back end until he develops a little bit more, especially in man coverage. So that gives you the opportunity to get all three of them, Phillips, Derwin, and Adderley on the field at the same time. And at that point, you're, you're set because that's a lot of speed. That's a lot of capability in coverage and a lot of diversity in the skill sets of guys that you have out there. So uh, that would be my best advice, that Phillips could be your base guy, if you, if you so chose, or you could just save him and have him as your sub linebacker anyway. But I think you could do that. You could even put him maybe as a nickel corner behind Desmond King in case he, something happens to him. Really, the possibilities are endless with someone like Phillips, but we have him slotted as, I believe, the number one dime linebacker and the, uh, the number one nickel linebacker for, for the Chargers. And in, in those instances, Nasir Adderley would come in. And that's what's so cool about you guys adding all the specialty positions. So the nickel corner, sub linebacker, uh, sub Russian and all that stuff. It, it, that's again, one huge step in terms of making the game more realistic. So again, guys, you know, you can put Adderley, if you want Adderley on the field, cool, but you may have to just move some guys around or run certain packages and, and hell, honestly, Phillips might be better than some of the actual linebacker, not do so hot in terms of overall ratings. I think Thomas Davis at that 79 is the best you know, traditional linebacker on the team, but with Phillips at a 77, I mean, I think he would be the second best. Am I correct? Yeah, I, I believe that is correct. And the coverage difference is pretty noticeable. 73 man versus 62 man, 78 zone instead of 69 zone. I think if you want a guy in coverage who has the speed as well, 87 speed versus 82 speed, it's Adrian Phillips. I think Thomas Davis definitely serves a role still because he's such a high IQ type of player and he knows where to be. But Phillips is your guy if you want that true Chargers dime linebacker type feel. And one more point on Adderley. We really made an emphasis that rookies have to prove it in general. Mm -hmm. They really have to earn their rating. And even second-year guys have to prove that the first year wasn't just a one-year type deal, um, which is why someone like Derwin James might not be as high. Um, I think he and Quentin Nelson tied for the second highest at the among second-year players behind Saquon, who obviously – came into the league and as a running back just took over immediately. But um, yeah, Adderley still very, very good zone coverage. Um, his man coverage based on what he did at Delaware might be a little generous, but I know he has it in him. I thought he definitely showed at least a little bit of strides at the senior bowl when he was asked to play almost exclusively in that role, being a, a converted corner back in his, I believe, sophomore year of college. Mm -hmm. So I think they're going to continue to improve his man coverage abilities and we definitely did not slight him on the physicals despite his athletic testing because obviously the film speaks very differently than what his, uh, what his testing numbers did where he was injured on his 40-yard dash and then didn't finish out.
Yeah, so there you go, fans. You got a lot of context there, and, uh, and don't be worried about that that 71. But again, after him, everyone's kind of in the 60s here, and, and rightfully so. A bunch of rookies, obviously, and a, not a bunch of highly touted rookies at that. So uh, third-round pick was an offensive tackle named Trey Pipkins. Now, it was a yeah. surprise to me. Um, I was doing a live draft show with some of my coworkers, so when that pick happened, I think you could probably go back and see my face, which was not super pretty. Because um, there was a lot of offensive tackles still on the board. I believe Yanni Kajus was from West Virginia, Bobby Evans from Oklahoma. But they took this guy, Trey Pipkins, from University of Sioux Falls, who, which is a school I actually received a recruiting letter for back in the day, if that tells you anything that you need to know about this school. It look is a Division two name dropping. Yeah, look at me <laughs> name dropping. It's a Division two school. Um, at the time, though, Daniel Jeremiah said that Pipkins, you know, at that pick, was his best offensive tackle on the board, if I remember that correctly. You guys have him as a 62, tied with Easton Stick as the Chargers' lowest rookie draft pick. Um, did anything having him play at Sioux Falls knock him? Was it a lack of film? Because I know his athletic testing wasn't actually too bad at the combine. So what did you take into consideration that had him fall so low? So we had all the film on Trump. Oh, really? Okay. We. So disclaimer, we get as much film as possible, all 22, all sorts of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. we, like we get all the way down to, we, we had division three, all 22 film that we oh, were able boy. to go through. Yeah, we, we were able to see everybody this year, uh, which was awesome. So I got to watch a lot of Trey Pipkins through, through that lens. And the things that really stood out for me was not so much that he played at the lower level. It's that the strength, the grip strength, the ability to handle power, the those were not there he was more of that agile type of guy that that easier mover than he was the strong bully of a player and it was there were some times where he would get knocked around a little bit and i was concerned um watching him that it was just like uh, if he's getting if he's struggling right now with this level of competition in terms of power it seems like he needs to work on his anchor a little bit his grip strength wasn't always there um he definitely did at times, a good job of climbing after a, after a double team, but it just it didn't seem to all come together. So I think he's an unfinished product, but I definitely see that there's some upside, especially in maybe his own blocking scheme, handling some of those guys around the arc. I just don't know how much he'll be able to improve in terms of his actual anchor and his uh and his balance in, with his lower body. Yeah, I can agree with that. Um, as much as I like offensive linemen and would like the team to maybe not have used a third round pick on a division two offensive lineman with so many questions. Uh, hopefully I can just trust Tom Telesco. We can trust coach Lynn and all their evaluators that, you know, this is a guy that will be eventually worth a third round pick, but as it seems right now, kind of where he's just going to have to be till he proves it. Um, lastly, yeah. last guy we're going to touch on, and we talked about him earlier, is uh, the team's fifth-round pick, Easton Stick. He's a quarterback from North Dakota State. Uh, I think they're winning as QB even more so than Carson Wentz uh, yep. when he was there. He's a little bit different of a quarterback. Um, he's a 62, again, tied with Pipkins. Um, and I, I'm asking this just because I think a lot of fans probably want to know as well. And it did get tossed around once he was drafted because why would they take a quarterback you know, there with other players that were probably higher upside and could help the team sooner. Um, and that's simply, do you think the Chargers are going to use Stick in the same manner that the Saints use Taysom Hill? And honestly, is there anything worth sticking sticking Stick, putting Stick in a, a position, in a package in Madden that you could take advantage of, or is he just too low at all? 
for Madden, I'm not sure exactly. I don't know how much we've added to the Chargers playbook. I think we'll probably wait and see what they do with him before we add anything of that nature Mm -hmm. to their book. But in real life, oh, absolutely. Go all for it. Easton Stick was one of the best running quarterbacks in college football. Um, His athletic testing numbers were off the charts in terms of agility. I think he had a 6.63 three cone. That's ridiculous. That's 91 agility, 80 ball carrier vision, 85 speed, 88 acceleration. Uh, He was one of my favorite quarterbacks, period. And I wish he had shown a little bit more as a passer at, at North Dakota State this year. But he absolutely outperformed Carson Wentz in his time at North Dakota State. And when Wentz got injured in his senior season, Stick came in and won the national championship. So, I mean, he definitely is a really fun player. Um, I don't know if he'll ever become a, a starter or even a high-level backup, but he definitely seems like he's a smart kid. I think the accuracy was a little bit scattershot, and I definitely think that if they're smart, they're going to get him involved in some of these roles because he's just too good of a runner. I mean, he has such a natural feel for being able to weave through defenders and maybe not so much make guys miss, but I think if you have two guys out there who can be relatively good quarterbacks, um, you know, that, that gives you at least a little bit of an edge. Right? They, they also have Tyrod Taylor in the fold. Um, yeah. I mean, I think they may use Tyrod in one of those roles before they use Stick. But it's weird because they have Phillip Rivers and then they've got uh, three dudes, honestly, if you think about Cardale Jones in a different, you know, light years of a different mold than yeah. Phillip Rivers is as a quarterback. Yeah, I think that is very interesting. But, I mean, I could see Easton Stick being used in a variety of ways. I would not be surprised if they gave him a shot in terms of a special teams or Taysom Hill-type role. He's not as big as Hill, and I think that could be a bit of a difference maker in the uh, in the blocking that Taysom Hill does, obviously being an inline blocker and among, among other things that he's done for them. But I'd love to see them give this kid a shot to just prove his worth because he is – he has all the intangibles, but the tangibles in terms of the passing stuff, they might not ever be there, but he's definitely a player you want on your team. And he seems like the guy who's going to, without being punny, stick around for a long time. Yeah, I mean, I hope, again, that the Chargers never waste any of their picks because they've done such a good job of really nailing all of their picks. I know from the 18 and 17 draft, uh, every single pick is still on the roster. And if you go past That's those That's incredible. Years, yeah, right. And I know if you go past 17, that it's there's like nobody left except some of their top guys that you would expect. But the fact that they've had seventh, sixth round picks over the last couple of years make actual impacts is incredible. And, and maybe stick is, is that guy. I guess we'll never know until the season gets around here. But I think that about wraps everything up, guys. Uh, Andre, this was so much fun. And I think time got away from us a little bit we'll have to see if i can even fit this all into the episode but uh it, sometimes it's just that easy you know you're talking yep. about fun stuff whether it is chargers ball uh nfl in general madden in general like time flies yeah so really do appreciate the time man uh i know you probably have a couple few busy weeks until madden's released but uh try to enjoy it you guys do so much work and hopefully you get enough time to to relax as much as you guys you know spend time on the sticks I appreciate it. And you did have a question for me that we didn't actually get to. Was there a rating that hurt me to put down? Oh, look at you, man. Keeping everything in check. All right. And and this one, I know you're going to feel this way too. It's that 73 overall for Forrest Lamb. Um, (laughs) That is a guy who I am super high on. I want to see him get his shot. 
I think he is phenomenal. Um, I think he would be their best interior player in maybe a year's time, including Pouncey, if all things go right with him. I think he just has to go out there and prove it. Um, love him to death as a player. thought he was one of the best interior, guard, uh, interior prospects coming out of the draft that year. He's a great second-level guy, excellent run blocker. It's been a while since we've seen him. Maybe he's even improved in some other areas, but he just needs a shot. And seeing him as a 73 hurts my heart because I definitely think he could have helped them uh, last year. And I understand the continuity stuff, but this year, uh, he better be on the field. That's all I'm going to say. I, I, it hurts my heart not to see him. Man, you and me both. I am so stoked that you brought up Lamb because how could we go this whole thing without talking about Lamb? Yes, guys. And if uh, my people who, who've read all my stuff on Bolts in the Blue have kept up with me uh, since Lamb has been drafted, this was a guy who when I was leaving the gym when uh, he tore his ACL, when I got the news he tore his ACL, I shit you not, I stood on the bench or sat on the bench, excuse me, and I like had to fight tears back because I was so upset that I knew I'd have to go another 365 plus days without seeing Lamp on the field. Yep. So you and me both, man, we'll <laughs> see. He's going to be, so according to the ratings, he's the, the team's third best offensive lineman in general. There's yep. no way I'm not sticking him in the starting lineup, obviously. Screw realism, even if he doesn't win his job. But you've got Daniel Jeremiah and every other people or other people that are close to the team. Uh, they all say the same thing, that there's, you know, Forrest Lamp has to start. There's no yep. reason for him not to be on the field anymore. And continuity be damned. Yep. Build it now. Yeah, build the damn thing now, man. The the older guys aren't going to be around there, and you need, you know, like Dallas has Zach Martin and everybody. Well, give us four slamp and – maybe you know give it a year or two and they'll be talking about lamp and and not the same breath but like getting up there so yep. who knows i'm as optimistic as it gets with four slams so we'll see man but hey thanks a ton again and uh i hope to be in touch a ton here soon especially once the game comes out and we can start sharing feedback still <laughs> it's absolutely my pleasure thank you for having me I hope you guys enjoyed our conversation today. It was an absolute blast being able to talk Chargers football and Madden 20 at the same exact time. That game comes out in less than two weeks. If you're anything like me, you will be there in line at the midnight release, ready to get your game. But anyways, guys, this has been Michael Peterson for the Powder Blue Review. Once again, go ahead and follow me on Twitter at Zone Tracks. Give a follow to the podcast handle as well. That's at PB Review Podcast. Really trying to grow that thing as well and get you guys the kind of content that you want. So once again, this has been Michael Peterson with the Powder Blue Review. We will see you guys next week.